Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Cairns, and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who bring your favorite beers and breweries to life. It's a real source of pride. It's a real passion project. You are listening to episode number 47, which is crazy to say, 47, 40 y 7. This week's featured artist is Dan Jetza, who's checking in with us by way of Chicago. We originally learned of Dan's work through the posters that he's done in the past for Dark Lord Day, which is Three Floyd's Brewing Company. And then as we went down the interwebs and the rabbit hole, Dan Grizga, if is how you look at it, but G-R-Z-E-C-A, but it's really Jetsa, which is great. So you can find him at Jetsa on Instagram, and you can also find him Jetsa on the Twitter. But like I said, we went down the rabbit hole and saw all these great labels that he's doing for Hop Butcher, which is a brewery in the Chicago, Illinois area. And we learned uh, we learned a lot about Dan. Love what he's doing with gig posters, scratch pad, and it was just a really interesting conversation. It was one of those conversations where I just got to sit back and really just kind of ask Dan a few questions, and he kind of just took us down there, painted some great pictures, awful art pun intended, and really it was just a really uh, great opportunity to, to get to connect with somebody. And one of the cool things that we do which I think, you know, I think is resonating with people, but a lot of the artists, this is the first time we're speaking. So we get on the phone, we'll talk for, you know, five or ten minutes sometimes, just kind of, uh, you know, warming it up and, you know, feeling each other out. But there's certain opportunities or certain instances where you know you could talk to this individual for hours at a time. It just flows really naturally. There's a great connection, and I think that resonates with, you know, our episode with Dan. Um, you know, or maybe Dan's just a really good actor. Who knows? And, you know, maybe maybe in a previous life he was, uh, you know, on Broadway. But it was just a really good experience to, to talk to Dan, to learn about his, you know, gig work, his label work, some of the, the prints that he does, and just kind of his story. So it was really exciting to, to share that with you, and I'm excited to get this episode up for you to check out. So everyone, you know, stay tuned. Coming up shortly, we'll have episode number 47. Remember, you check out Dan's website, Dan, J-E-T-S-A-H, for all those scoring at home, on Instagram and the Twitter. Twitter. But real quick, wanted to recap. This past weekend, had the wonderful opportunity to go to the gallery opening of Artistic Directions, curated by Will Sears, art director art director, excuse me, for Oxbow Brewing, right up there in Maine. They have two locations. They have the blending and bottling location where the show was in Portland, Maine, as well as their main location, that was terrible, in Newcastle, Maine. So it was a really great experience for many reasons. You know, one was to get to, get to meet the guys, you know, Will Sears. We had him on episode number 46, Carl Grandin. Andy Polo, uh, he's been on a previous episode, as well as Mike Van Hall, Aslan, and Stillwater. And then we had the pleasure 
to spend some time and meet with you know, Keith Shore from McKellar. I think we uh, you know, got a step closer to getting Keith to come on a, a future episode. Met Brian from Stillwater, Tim and the crew from Oxbow. Heidi Geis was in attendance. So all in all, it was a really great experience. Met some you know, new people. Met some photographers, other artists, some local folks. Um, you know, Carla, who's a you know, beer babe on Twitter, at beer babe on Twitter. You can find her. And just really had a great experience. Got to spend some time at High Roller Lobster Company. I highly recommend a lobster grilled cheese. Went over to Nova Res, which is a great experience as always. It was just nice to be in Maine. Maine is a happy place. Myself and my family loved being there. And it was just really a nice opportunity to get there. Went over to Bissell. Hit the release for uh, Preserve and Protect, which is a great new IPA from them. Really efficient uh, bottle. I mean, a can release. Good folks over there. Other than getting heckled for uh, my Eagles gear, which we'll talk about my Super Bowl champ Eagles later on in the show. Really, just all in all, it was a great experience. I want to thank Vacation Land. Did not have the opportunity to meet with uh, the one and only Vacation Land, John, but we did have a great experience while we were up there in Maine. I look forward to our next adventure in the vacation state. But as I said, this is episode number 47, 47 with Dan Jetza, artist from the Midwest. He's a Midwestern boy, Chicago Cub fan, loves his hometown sports. You can see in the posters that he does, but we'll let the man speak for himself. So without further ado, I bring to you Episode number 47 of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Really excited to have with us, checking in via way of Chicago, Dan Jetza. We came to learn of Dan through the work that he uh, has done for Dark Lord's Day with Three Floyds. Uh, Dan does... Screen printing, painting. He's an artist, uh, like I said, out of the Chicago area. And he also does work with Hot Butcher and has a really great uh, portfolio of posters, uh, you know, music related stuff. And, you know, we were actually just chatting a few minutes ago. You know, uh, we're recording this right after the old State of the Union. So we're definitely uh, a little leaning a little to the left uh, this evening. But I uh, just wanted to thank you, Dan, for making the time. Uh, like any good artist, you're extremely busy, and so I do appreciate your time, and uh, awesome that we're able to, to connect. Thanks, AJ. I'm, I'm, I'm totally happy to be with you. And we are happy to have you. So, yeah, it's really really cool uh, how I learned about your, your work was really, like I said, um, one of the, we've found a few commonalities with, you know, our artists, and a lot a lot more I've noticed that, you know, do, you know, gig posters or, or screen printing, you know, some do both, and so we came to learn of you, you know, just kind of down the interwebs, you know, uh, your Instagram, which is your, your last name, uh, how phonetically spelled, uh, J-E-T-S-A-H, found on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Your last name is not spelled that way. So that was definitely a little bit of a little bit of a difficulty and glad, I really appreciate it. The, the no, back shows. in the old country in Poland, they definitely don't spell it J-E-T-S-A-H. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's like yeah. That's like your like Hollywood version of your name, right? It's like you know, like okay. right. It is. It so, is. I joked that if I went into acting, that my last name would be J E T S A H. Yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be an awesome Hollywood name. Not that it's not right, but right, they, but right, right now it's spelled for folks scoring at home. It's G R Z E C A. So I do, I do appreciate that. So that was uh, much Correct. help. But yeah, so we came to learn of it through the, those great posters that you you know do for uh, Dark Lord's Day, and then you know, mm-hmm. do, doing doing you know proper discovery research. You know, we we saw that you, know, you do all these other great stuff for you know, for Hot Butcher and then just uh, the screen printing work that you do. So just for, you know, for myself, obviously, for selfish reasons, but just kind of, you know, can you give a little backstory on, you know, Dan, Dan, the artist, kind of how you got into it? Because I, I do, will say, you know, go to Dan's you know websites and then you'll jump off to, you know, his Big Cartel page or some great posters to buy, groundup.bigcartel.com. But you really have a unique, you know, style to your work that I really love. You know, it's has the, you know, intimacy of, of the hand-drawn the line work it really you know complements the the screen printing work that you're doing and the choice of your colors I, I really i think it's really you know it's really uh solid to me i think it's it's really special and it's extremely unique in my opinion so i would just love to kind of learn a little bit more about you know your work and you know take us back you know the elevator you know take it i guess take it away i'm gonna stop talking gotta get there on the uh, the old uh, way back machine there uh, sure. Well, I mean, I've been making work for a long time because I'm old. I'm going to be, I'm going to be 50 this year. And uh, it seems like, uh, it was just a snap of the fingers. And I was, uh, 22, 24 years ago, just, you know, making work. Um, and when I say making work, I mean, just making art, you know, getting out of art school a long time ago and, uh, being primarily, uh, into painting and drawing. Um, the, probably the first high profile gig I had was right when I got out of college. I did, um, a, a panel, like five panel, four foot by eight foot piece for the very first Lollapalooza when it was like a touring festival. So in Chicago, it was at the world music theater and Tinley park, which I'm trying to remember the original lineup. I mean, it was obviously James addiction, uh, Rollins band, I think body count played. Uh, matter of fact, Jane's Addiction did uh, Don't Call Me Nigger Whitey and uh, Ice-T and Perry Farrell teamed up on that. And it was like totally incredible. Uh, Susie and the Banshees, a bunch of, bunch of really great, great artists. But um, but yeah, so I, I always liked the idea of, of being involved in music, probably because I'm a music fanatic and one of those. I'm not going to call myself a frustrated musician because that would entail that I actually picked up an instrument, which I never did for whatever reason, um, uh, which I'm glad to see if actually my, my children uh, picking up instruments and playing music. It makes me happy. Um, but yeah, music was always something I was really excited about. And so a few years after I was out of school, I was showing paintings and drawings at an old festival in Chicago. It was called Around the Coyote. And it was a um, art festival in Wicker Park, which is the sort of at that point like the the you know got national attention for certain bands coming out of it, like Urge Overkill, and uh, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, really, the bands that came out of Wicker Park that I thought were amazing were like Red Red Meat and um, Math, who probably no one has ever heard of, um, but there was some pretty interesting stuff going on and the around the coyote festival was pretty neat because at that point, this part of Chicago 
and a lot of old abandoned warehouses that artists would basically make studios in. And so they, this art festival is like basically warehouses were filled with artists just putting on a festival for the weekend, like a, a gallery show. You know, you'd walk into the drum factory and there'd be like four floors filled with just all sorts of crazy shit. And while I didn't live in Wicker Park, I lived a couple of neighborhoods north of Lincoln Square. Um, I participated in one of the Around the Coyotes toward the end before uh, they ran out of warehouse spaces because they started turning them all to condominiums and the neighborhood turned into basically what it is now, which is kind of like a gentrified nightmare. Um, but at the time, I was showing some paintings and I ran into a gentleman named Bob Hartzell. And Bob worked at this club called Lounge Axe and he did the lighting there. So bands would play, he would shoot the lights out and make them look cool. And Bob was showing these screen prints that he made. And these, uh, he also does these really cool uh, light pieces. And so, you know, we became friendly over the weekend and he was looking at my paintings, which back then these paintings were like these sort of big, flat, cartoony things. And they looked very much like something that if someone looked at them and said, oh, you should do screen printing because I think people think of silk screen printing, they think of like Lichtenstein, you know, big flat surfaces. And Bob said, oh, you should make, um, like, you should make posters. I'm like, posters? He's like, yeah, it's like for bands. Like, you mean like that Kozik guy? Because at that point, the only person, I think, in America who was making rock posters, one of the only ones you could you knew of anyway was Frank Kozik in Austin, Texas. And Frank was just, you know, making them for tons of bands like that I loved, like Killdozer and the Jesus Lizard. And I mean, he made like editions of 500, six color posters. Like when you look back at like the amount of work that Frank Kozik was doing, it's sheer insanity. It's just like totally nuts. And he did like, I think half these things for free. Just like the, he told me later, like a poster is basically a giant business card. Like when you make a rock poster, you know, and which I thought was pretty interesting, uh, an interesting opinion that I, I came to share later. Um, but anyway, Bob said, Hey, you should make posters. And I said, yeah, that sounds cool, but I really don't know how to do that. I never learned how to screen print in school and I'm interested in it. And he, he uh, basically encouraged me and said, well, you know, why don't you make a poster for, uh, you know, a, a band that you're friends with since you're friends with so many musicians. And, um, I realized that I actually had made a poster. <laughs> it was my friends in this band tar and they had said they were going to do their last performance at lounge acts. And my friend, Mike Greenlee said, you should design a poster for us. So I did this illustration and made it two colors. I, I basically drew a black and white illustration and then in blue, non-photo blue pencil, I marked up the areas that I thought should be the second color. And we brought it to Steve Walters here in Chicago from Screwball Press, who's like the one guy making posters in Chicago. And we hired him to make a poster. He made the poster. It looked cool. It was up for the night. Some people bought some for $5. That was it. I put a few in the drawer and I forgot all about it. And then a year later, I'm talking to Bob Hartzell and he's saying, well, you should make posters. I print over at Steve Walters Screwball Press. Oh yeah, posters. That's that thing I did last year. That was cool. And so I, uh, I basically talked to uh, my friend Ken Vandermark. Ken is a uh, now a pretty internationally famous jazz musician here, based out of Chicago. And uh, he's a, an incredibly creative person, a very supportive friend. 
And I said, I want to make posters, and uh, I think it'd be cool to make a poster for your band, the Vandermark Five. And he said, oh, that sounds like an interesting idea, taking a rock poster and making it for a free jazz band. And so I um, came up with this illustration, figured out where the colors are going to be. I worked with Bob, and it was printed over at uh, Steve's studio over at Screwball Press. And for the next couple of years, I started making posters for primarily uh, this sort of underground free jazz scene in Chicago. And it was an interesting scene because it was Chicago musicians who were younger, uh, mostly like mostly in their 20s. Uh, and there are all sorts of interesting ensembles. And then through John Corbett, uh, who would become a friend of mine here, he was this, um, John is a, is a really interesting guy. He runs a gallery now called Corbett versus Dempsey and is a jazz writer, which he has been for a long time. But at that time, he was a jazz writer and um, musician a little bit and, and a, a sort of like an impresario. You know, he's like a sort of like a social connector, like the Malcolm Gladwell book where he talks about connectors. John is a connector. And John, as a young man, was friends with these quite a bit older generation European jazz musicians and African-American jazz musicians here in the States. So between John and Ken, this whole scene of young jazz musicians in Chicago was playing with people that would start coming in from out of town, like Peter Brotzman from Germany, Evan Parker from England, um, uh, Leo Smith from New York, uh, Joe McPhee, all sorts of interesting people. And so I started making a lot of posters for a lot of really interesting events. I was very interested in the music. I thought it was really challenging and, and arresting. And so I had a, a really great time making these, uh, making these posters and kind of figuring out the medium, figuring out um, silkscreen printing because at first I would draw these up and I would, um, you know, for screen printing, every color you see is a separate layer. And so you make a drawing and then for each layer you have to, with either film or now with, you know, computer programs like Photoshop, you can draw your layers separately in there. Um, I actually still draw all of my layers by hand, um, even to this day. Um, basically, uh, hold on one second. I'm sorry. Basically, I learned the medium a lot more as an artist and as a creative, like interactive activity. So rather than just being a static thing where I was drawing a picture and saying these two layers will be this color, I started hand drawing each layer very intently, almost painterly, bringing the sort of, of tactile, fine art background I had into it. Which is funny because silk screening, silk screen printing is a fine art, but I think it's one of those interesting parts of art that is, you know, it was originally like a shop activity. You know what I mean? Like you learn how to screen print in shop class, you know, like you print some shirts and, and that's it. Um, I think that's kind of how it was viewed. Um, but but you realize, I realized the versatility of it because when you are using um, photo emulsion on a screen, you can basically take any image 
transfer to a screen, run ink through that screen. You're creating a very fancy stencil. And that image can be a flat image. That image can have a lot of texture, a lot of line work. And some things will show up, some things won't. So there's an element of surprise in it. So back to making posters, I was making all these posters in the um, mid-90s for shows at the Empty Bottle and little clubs here in Chicago where the jazz shows would happen. And I started doing some rock shows as well, uh, mostly just local stuff here. And then my friend Clay in Canada made this website called gigposters.com. And my friend Jay Ryan here in Chicago said, hey, there's this website where you can take your images of your posters and put them up there and they'll be on the site. And all these people from around the country who do what we do are doing this. And there's a forum and we can talk crazy shit to each other. So this is like early artists, Facebook. And so this is like late nineties, early 2000. Actually, now that I think about it, it was digposters.com went live probably like 2000, 2001, something like that. I, I want to say, um, so I've been making posters for probably like, you know, eight years. Now at that point I was definitely not making a living at art. I was, uh, I had a decorative painting business, a sort of a fancy house painting and mural business here in Chicago. And so I would do that. And then I would spend a lot of time drawing and designing these posters and printing these posters or hiring friends of mine to print them like Jay Ryan from the bird machine or Steve Walters from screwball press. If I didn't have the time to print, um, it was primarily through my friendship with Jay that he encouraged me to really start printing more myself and really printing. I think for any artist who's involved in this medium, you really need to at some point print some things yourself to really understand the, uh, the process more, you know, you can design something and hire someone to print it, but until you're like there mixing ink on the spot and saying, well, why don't I just try this? I mean, that that's, I think a crucial part of any creative activity is that ability to make choices and improvise. Um, so yeah, that was like a long winded first part of my answer of getting into uh, uh, screen printing and making posters, but it, it kind of went forward from there. Um, so I started making posters for larger acts. You know, I was doing rock posters and then before I knew it, I had made a poster for the Black Keys and Pat Carney from the Black Keys was really smitten with the work and, and asked me to do a lot of work for them, which I did end up doing. And, and that, that's sort of like just takes on a life of its own where people see your work and contact you and, and you start doing a lot more work for a, a large variety of people. Um, so making posters for bands, for music events was essentially what I was doing for a long time. And uh, I had a realization, like, because at the same time I was making paintings and drawings, I thought, oh, you know, people don't have thousands of dollars to spend on any of my paintings. But if I made a screen print piece of art that doesn't have a band name on it, but it's just a piece of artwork of something I'm, I'm interested in making, um, I could sell an edition of that and sell it affordably. So people, people have 30 or 50 bucks to spend on art. And so that really kind of became a philosophy, like, oh, you can make artwork that people can afford, like literally anyone can afford your artwork, or you can spend your time 
making art that's very precious to you. And then you have to suddenly figure out a market price for it, which is going to be extraordinarily expensive. Now I'm not saying don't do painting or drawing because it's a great activity and I like to do it. But um, in terms of making a living, there are certain things you have to figure out to make choices that, that are viable. And, um, and then printmaking is just one of those activities where you can make a living, I think, as an artist and a printmaker, um, hopefully. <laughs> you know, um, some people take teaching jobs to supplement it. Other people take other jobs to supplement it. But um, I've been pretty lucky in that, you know, that's, that's all I do. Um, and the illustration has kind of come from that, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, your story is great i mean first of all you're a really good storyteller i, I was nice i just kind of I, I put my feet up and just kind of let you take over i think i'm just gonna ask you maybe two questions and you can just kind of talk for for an hour i mean so you're making my life uh that's pretty much the way it works with me <laughs> <laughs> sorry no dude it's great no it's really great dan i, I mean I, I was i was trying to, it was a compliment um no because the way i look the way you know when, when you have these stories you're talking to people memories that that, that where my subconscious come to life and Gig posters is one of those sites that, like you were saying, like I, I would spend hours on that. And that was that became one of like I think for a while that was my homepage. And I and a lot of times it was I didn't know the bands that if it was a band gig poster I didn't know the bands. But I was like, man, that's like the, I just loved like that art. So part of me is like oh, subconsciously yeah. Yeah. wondering if why I've been drawn to your art is that I've seen it so many times on that site before. I mean, obviously. Uh, one of our recent discussions, uh, somebody told me that it was, you know, it's no longer, it's been defunct for a while. So that was kind of a, a, oh, it's a, tragic. a it's sad tragic. moment because it was just beautiful. It was like, it, it was like an aggregator it, of this uh, great art and it was a way, and I just felt like I would buy posters sometimes and just part of me was like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to hang that up, but like, I, I, I feel like it's, it's, you know, it's in my person now and I'm helping this artist out and we're all helping each other. And it was like, Oh, this is great. So, I mean, I really think like, when yeah. I think about it that there's probably, cause I'm really, I've really been drawn to yours, especially cause it's like, it's almost like, uh, you see folks who like wood kind of like carvings and then they use the, you know, the ink to make the prints. Like it has that with, mm -hmm. your, with your line work, it has that, you know, almost like it's a, a print from a piece of wood type of a feel to it. It's really, yeah. And so every time I see them, I'm like, it just, it keeps resonating with me. So that, that, that really could be it. Um, but then, then you're talking about Lollapalooza. That was like one of my first, we're, we're, you're, I'm happy to say you're older than me. I, I, I'm pr you're probably the first guest I've had, maybe one of the almost 50 we've had that's been older than me. So, so, so thank you for that. Finally but, it happened. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I think I have like once every other season, I think, I think probably I've had like three or four. So I probably can count on one hand where it's like, yeah, so, so that I, I do appreciate, I do appreciate that. I'll be 40 uh, this year. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're a decade apart, but Lollapalooza. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, yeah. You, you'll be invited to the party. Um, yeah. No, but Lollapalooza Great. was like a big life moment for me because I was, I think I was 14 and that was the first time I went to like, I mean, I was supposed to go with a group of friends and no, there were uh -huh. parents, you know, the classic didn't want them to go cause in, in Philadelphia. And I just, you know, kind of white lied to my parents and told them that everyone was still going. And I remember going, it wasn't the first one cause it didn't have Jane's addiction or uh, Rollins, but it was, you know, beasties, Smashing Pumpkins, Tribe Called Quest. Oh yeah, P Funk. Oh, Beasties uh, are great. Yeah, Bre yeah, the Breeders, Girls Against Boys. Like it was awesome, and I was oh. like, it was fourteen year old me, and 
Oh, you know, Girls Against Boys. God, I love that band. Yeah, and it was like this was it, and so that was just you know, and then I you know when I went to college, I you know I did radio for you know ten or eleven years. You know, I ended up mad, like it was just mm-hmm. that was that that's like one of those moments on your life timeline that I know like it was a lie that was worth it. And mom and dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I mean, it was the first of many probably that I lied to you about going to see music. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's okay. You know, it, works, it all works itself out, you know? Um, but yeah, right, so I really, right. yeah, I think it really, just, it really resonates with me. And, and then learning the more, and like when you go to the gigs and it's like, oh, this is a screen printed or limited press. And it's, it's never really kind of sunk in until, you know, about a year ago when I started doing this, like how difficult it was. And so just that commitment to the craft, especially the beauty of it now to me is with technology, making it easier that those uh-huh. like yourself who make that conscious choice to still, you know, the, the, the hand drawn of all the layers or the, you know, the different, you know, print areas. It's just really, you know, it, it's, you're always trying to do things, you know, smarter, not harder, or try to simplify things, and so in a way, right. in a way, you're you're doing the opposite. And but I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, and it's it's really, you know, it shows in the work, but it's really, you know, I I applaud that commitment, you know, to to the purity of it, and it's uh, I, I'm very uh, you know drawn to your work. I was on the shop earlier and looking at stuff, and I was like, I'm gonna I can't buy ten posters. I was like, I'll, I'll have to come back later. I was like, I, yeah, so I have to, I have to uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. The wife would be like, where the, where the fuck are you going to put all these posters? And I'm like, I don't know, but they're awesome. Well, yeah, that's the thing, too. Um, <laughs> they, they are. They think you, you make them affordable, and then people go, yeah. Well, I, oh, no, I want 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I have this many dollars, like, and sorry. now I can get. I'm sorry yeah. I've done this to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's first world problems. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Exactly, know? exactly. Well, yeah, and the relief print quality of my work comes from the fact that um, the drawing process I use to create probably about 90% of my work is um, scratch board. So it's, um, it's uncoated clayboard, actually. So it's made by a company in Texas called Ampersand. Shout out to Austin Ampersand. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great product. The first time I used um, scratch board, clay board. I think it wasn't ampersand I first used. I think it was uh, it's probably like Crescent, one of those illustration board companies. But there's also a French one. There's a there's a French scratch board that I would buy, and uh, it was the first one I bought. And the first poster I did in scratch board was for my good friend Jeff Mueller for his band, The Shipping News. And this was in 2004. And I did this deer. It's this buck with like locks hanging off of its antlers. And it's a really dark kind of cool, messed up looking drawing. And I remember I I was, I, you know, started painting ink on the board, let it dry, started scratching it with a knife. And I thought, oh yeah, this is really fun. I have no idea what is happening, but it's so weird and detailed and fun. And, and, and I still, still feel like that, even though like I've done hundreds and hundreds of drawings on scratch board and I have kind of like a sort of formulaic, not, I, I mean, I try not to have a formulaic idea 
set, but I have a formulaic sort of physical process. I mean, there's a certain boards I buy, there's a set of tools I use. And within that, I'm always trying to do some different things and explore some different paths. But the idea of putting the ink on the board and scratching away and then the areas I haven't done any of that to just drawing out with traditional material and sort of having given this sort of positive negative effect. It's really fun. And I've always liked the look of relief printing. Um, some of my favorite relief printers like Martin Mazzura of Cannonball Press, like contemporaries, um, Sean Star Wars. I love Sean. His, his stuff is like, I, I don't want to say childlike to insult him because I, I don't mean it like that, but it's just, there's such a joy in his work. And, uh, and it, it's really, it's really infectious. You know, it's like, I, I look at some of Sean Star Wars's woodcuts and I just start laughing. Cause it's like, God, man, is Sean having fun drawing this alligator drinking beer? Because it sure looks like it, you know? Um, but just that I've, I've always liked, I've always liked printmaking. I've always liked, like my earliest printmaking influences are probably like, the Blue Rider group out of Germany and the sort of Weimar Republic area era Bauhaus artists. Um, a lot of, a lot of the printmaking that came out of there is, is really incredible. And so I love the idea of relief printing, but I'm also kind of lazy and <laughs> scratchboard is amazing because instead of using this big thing to gouge in a wood or linoleum, I'm using a, a razor blade and ink. And I can get these really delicate little drawings. And then when I blow them up, they look like woodcuts because the gauge increases on it. You know, it's funny because there's this con constant conversation between my wife and I. I'll make these like 11 by 14 drawings. And, and they, they're, they're, they can look quite beautiful. And then when they turn into prints and they're 18 by 24, they, they, there's a sort of brutality that, that, is fed into them when they increase in scale and they lose a little bit of the, the softness and the finesse. And it's funny because my wife's always saying like, oh, I wish we could make, wish you could make smaller ones that look as pretty as these do, you know, cause I don't know what I think about these prints. I'm like, yeah, I know that's just sort of the thing though. That's the process. You know, I, that, that's what it turns into. And uh, it's funny. It's like this constant, I mean, my wife, I've been married for 22 years. It's just like constant, like, well, I don't know about that one. Like, yeah, well, maybe next time, you know. Yeah, right. I've got 20 more to do, so we'll see what happens. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so so the whole idea of relief printing I love, and I'm constantly threatening to do relief printing. Like, I have a little bit of block. I started carving, and I still I still haven't gotten back to it, man. And it's, it's like I'm doing six beer labels, and I'm working on a mural this week. And, um, and it's like, I've got a poster to do for Trey Anastasio. So it's just like, man, there's a lot going on. Um, I don't know when I'm going to get to that actual, you know, woodcut. I keep thinking I'm going to do. Um, well, I'm a huge, uh, but yeah, it's, I'm a huge fish guy. So any, yeah. So make, yeah, make time for Trey. My, uh, my oldest is, uh, we, call, oh, yeah. we, we call him Trey. So, yeah. So I, I saw that you did. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. He's the third. My, you're, you know, I use Jetsa to make it easier for folks, you know, with your Instagram handle plug again there. J E T S A H on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah. My sure. AJ stands for Augustine James. So I'm like, I have this huge name. So we all try to admit we all have our own. My dad's I'm this, I'm junior Trey's my oldest. He's the third. And 
So yeah, so yeah, that's uh, we try to we try to simplify it, make life easier for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. And we are back. You're listening to episode number 47 of the 16-Ounce Canvas, The Art of Craft Beer Podcast. As you probably know, because you're here, so this is always weird when we give you all of our website information, but there is that chance that maybe you're at a podcast listening party, like a blind tasting, someone, oh, check out this one, I I got a cool one for you. Nothing says a good party like listening to a podcast about art and designers from somebody like me. So if that's where it's at, all right, all right. But realistically, it's probably not. Maybe you're on a road trip. Maybe you're on a plane, trains, some sort of automobile. We pair well with the open road. Wherever you are, we appreciate you. So I'm not trying to be smug. But you can check us out via the World Wide Web, 16ozcanvas.com. 16OZ on all your social platforms, the Twitter, the IG, the Instagram, YouTube, the Tube of You, and the Book of Faces, Facebook. So wherever you are, we'll be there with our with our content. We're trying to keep it fresh. We're trying to keep it engaging. We are having a great time. We thank everyone for taking the opportunity to listen each week. We've got new recommendations from artists. We're doing the legwork, tracking them down, trying to confirm our sixth 12-pack. This is episode number 47. Now, if you're a math scholar, like I know you are, and you're thinking, okay, there's one more left in, in this season. Spoiler alert. This is the last one of season four because we had an artist who will remain nameless who's agreed to do it and has been more difficult to track down than something that's really hard to find, some the lost treasures of the Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't know if it's a thing. Write us in. Tell us it's not. AJ at 16ozcanvas.com. So, new updates for Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can put things into seasons. So, this will be the last episode of Season 4. Next week, we will start Season 5. And if that artist ever agrees to come back, then we'll just simply have them be a random number that's in season four. It's going to drive me crazy. I'm not going to lie to you. Where part of me was thinking, make the ep- next episode 49. Blah, 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 but I think that uh, we can argue consistency on different levels. But anyway, really enjoyed, again, speaking with Dan. I think the, the scratch pad work he does is great. I'm excited have two of his prints that will be hanging up uh, in the house in the studio his mc escher tribute to his father which uh escher is just someone that we really love i think his black and white work is beautiful you know as you may remember from other episodes i do really enjoy you know black and white work uh, pops into my mind you know mike lawrence mr mike illustrated his work with tired hands is exceptional the line work the details the creativity it's just vivid, love it. So I'm a big fan of black and white work. And then there's another one uh, that we ordered, which is the the lighthouse, which is this must be the place. And that's just speaks to us on you know so many levels. And obviously you know the lighthouse, which you know we talk about the music, Talking Heads, Naive Melody. So it hits all the right places. So so thank you for that, Dan. And 
Once again, you're listening to 16 Ounce Canvas. This is episode number 47. Cuarenta y siete. Life is good. So coming off, still, still flying high from the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. I am in shock still. If you could see me, I do have a Cheshire Cat smile from ear to ear. Life is beautiful. Something that I thought would never be possible. Had the wonderful and beautiful opportunity to share that with friends and family. Share with my seven-year-old son, the one and only Mr. Trey Kieran's. He is an insane fan. We are a great team together. And it's just been a great experience once again to experience and see things through your child's eyes. Much like art, it's beautiful to see how things are enjoyed and experienced by others. And to share those moments is wonderful. And so that's one of the great things that we love about doing this is all of our artists, in a way, we could argue. Some choose to go smaller, use a little circle action for their labels. Others go full wrap. Others go patterns. But they're all given this same piece of canvas, print, paper, dimensions, however you want to look at it. And yet, no two artists are the same. 47 artists doing work for multiple breweries and beers across the country, around the world. They all choose different things. They all have different tools in their toolkit. Even those who use the same tools, maybe they both are acrylic. Maybe they both do watercolors. Maybe they both do pen and ink, scratch pad, whatever that is. We have all these different artists doing amazing, unique things. And we have so many more artists to introduce you to. So it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful day. Life is good. I'm really blessed to have met so many great people so far. Looking forward to that adventure continuing. We will be making our announcement about our event in July in the coming weeks. The ink has not been, you know, the I's have not been crossed and the T's not been dotted. But we're getting there and it's going to be something special. And so really excited to share with you in the future. But without further ado, let's get back into it. Part 2, Dan Jetsa, 16-ounce canvas. The Art of Craft Beer. It's a podcast, and you're listening to it. Let's get back into it. All right? There we go. Well, getting into the, the beer stuff, um, uh, the posters basically created the whole uh, the whole beer career that I'm embarking on. Um, I want to say about 10, man, maybe 10 years ago, I received this email from this guy named Barnaby Struve. Barnaby at the time was uh, the head brewer at Three Floyds and like, I think vice president. And he's like, Hey, I've been going to all these shows and buying your posters. Like every time I go to a Melvin show, you're making the poster and I really like your artwork. And so I work for this beer company called Three Floyds. I'm like, Oh yeah, I think I know those guys. They do that. They do that one beer I tried, uh, you know, uh, Alpha King, I think was the beer back then. And uh, it says, oh, yeah, come on by the studio, you know. So he came by the studio. And my studio is about five blocks from my house. So, like, I always call, my wife and I joke that the neighborhood we live in in Chicago, we should just call it Mayberry because everything is so close. And... um so yeah, Barnaby came over to the studio and 
comes in, big tall guy, covered with tattoos, I'm like you know, like my people, you know. And uh, and Barnaby's a super wonderful person, and he got turned on to my art because of all these rock posters. And so then they hired me to make a beer for them called Apocalypse Cow. And so I made the illustration for that. And uh, Jim Zimmer took my original drawing and illustration and made a really nice label. Um, you know, he took a few liberties with it, which I actually like. And then the original drawing and design I came up with that I gave to him, we made into these big screen printed posters. And uh, I mean, just standard 18 by 24 when I say big, much bigger than a beer bottle, right? And um, and so, so that was the first thing I did for them. And uh, that's the only beer I've made for Three Floyds is, is um, Apocalypse Cow. But since then, I have made... Uh, I think six or seven Dark Lord Day posters now. I'm trying to think. One, two, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 2012, I think, if I do my homework right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so it's been really nice. Like every year, Nick Floyd is super cool and says, yeah, let's do another poster this year. I'm like, okay. Every year I wonder, I'm like, am I doing a poster <laughs> this year or not? Or, Did I make the and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, um, uh, they've been really, really cool about it. So basically every year I'll, I'll, I'll bug Nick until, cause he's a busy guy, but I'll bug him like, okay, what's the theme this year? Like what, what's going on? Cause Nick is a huge history uh, buff, which I appreciate since I am as well. And so every year they'll have some sort of theme for it. I remember the first year is like, yeah, man. Um, the theme is like cold war. So we're thinking like, uh, um, I don't know, like, like Americans and Russians and like the Arctic and like oil wells on fire. And he's sending me images from like video games. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy is crazy. And I'm like, this is the best art direction I've ever gotten in my life. Is like Nick Floyd, because he just sends me these texts with all these images of what he's into and then tells me the theme. And I'm like, okay, cool. So for that first one, I'm like, okay, uh, obviously Sam the Eagle from the Muppets will be the American soldier and I'll make a Russian bear, a Russian right. soldier. And so Nick has all these things he's thinking and then it goes through my bizarro world filter and I come up with this poster and I get done. I'm like, damn, they're going to hate this thing. <laughs> like, they're just going to fucking hate this thing. And they really liked it. And so ever since then, it's been really fun. Uh, last year was um, uh, last year's poster was fun. It was um, oh gosh, and I'm like losing my mind, forgetting the historical uh, liberator of Latin America. Why am I forgetting the uh, uh, historical liberator of Latin America? I drew him on the freaking poster. There's a country named after him. Oh God. I'm talking on my phone, so I can't look it up and pretend I'm smart, like I actually remember. <laughs> uh, Bolivar? Well, you're talking about? Yeah, Simone Bolivar. Jeez, yeah. man. It's been a long day. Um, yeah, Simone Bolivar was the theme for last year. So I'm like, great, let's do Simone Bolivar as a skeleton riding on a Pegasus. That that makes sense. Uh, yeah, exactly. right. That's what I would have gone with. That was exactly my, that was my first. Uh, word yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
so all these Dark Lord Day posters have been really fun. And the thing I found out quickly when I started doing work for Three Floyds was that there's this huge beard community. And, like, beard people are crazy and totally cool yes. and obsessive and wow. And, crazy. and so I, yeah, yeah. And so I got such a nice reaction to all the Three Floyds posters that I've made. Um, I did like a poster for Surly. They asked me to do a poster when they were coming to Chicago to re-enter the Chicago market. And, and so I was doing some things on and off here. And then, so I got this text or this email out of the blue from this, this guy, Jeremiah. He said, Hey, we have this company we're starting called South Loop Brewing and we want you to make a, a beer label for us and a poster. And we, you know, fell in love with your work with three Floyds and, I said, yeah, sure. So I, he came over and he's a super nice guy. And so I made this uh, label and poster design for this beer called Milk Stachio. And it's this monocled man and a green background. And it's for this um, um, pistachio milk stout that they did with dry hop brewers here in Chicago. Cause like their first beer, it was a collaboration. So I made this and I thought that was nice. Great. Now it's the next thing, you know, and he's like, Oh yeah, we're going to make more beers. We're starting this company. I'm like, yeah, sure you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't right. mean to be a dick. Like, dude, I don't mean to be a dick, but like when you're as old as I'm starting to get, you have so many people tell you that there's all this work coming or there's this great gig. And you're like, Oh, I'm really excited. And you tell your wife and you make plans and you write down on a piece of paper, all the money that's going to be. And then none of that shit ever happens, you know, and you're hustling as usual, trying to like get work. And so I never take anything for granted. And so then a few months later, he gets back to me and said, okay, Hey, so we're going to start making more beers. We want you to, um, we, we, we think we'd like you to do all the labels for this beer company. You know, we, we did a few labels with, you know, we had one guy do this, illustration for you know good rise don't wear black and which is a really cool illustration actually of uh, chicago black Sox. and he's like but moving forward we really like you to be the identity the physical the um visual identity of the company and to make all of the artwork for all the beer and we're renaming the beer hot butcher for the world which i thought was a great name because uh, south loop brewing sort of connotes like this, you know, very specific area of Chicago, whereas hot butcher to the world is hilarious with the whole hog butcher to the world thing. And also you can shorten it to hot butcher because everyone shortens everything, you know? Um, and there's something about that magical three syllable thing, hop butcher. It works. You know, it's kind of like half acre also here in Chicago. It's like, it's perfect. Like three syllables. I don't know what it is about that. Solemn oath is the same, you know, that, um, that it works two or two or three syllables, you know, don't go beyond that. And, uh, so yeah. And really over the last year and a half, I guess maybe two years now, um, you know, they've been building up steam and making a lot of beer. And I think I've made like 26, 27 different beer designs for them now. Um, I'm wrapping up one, uh, tonight called the beer that must not be, which is like a reference to Metallica and a reference to HP Lovecraft and Cthulhu. And, uh, that's a, a um, collaboration they're doing with a company called Miskatonic here in, uh, in the Chicago area. And then I've got like f five more labels I'm working on after that. 
I mean, just just like a slew of, of stuff coming up. So it's been really fun and it's been a really fun process because, um, just, they really wanted the art to be sort of like front center on the beer. So, I mean, you have to actually turn the can physically around to see the name of the beer company. Yeah, it's a, and it's a tough choice. I think that I think that I really, yeah, I, I really like when folks do that. That they don't have to be, and we talk about this a lot. The the idea of it doesn't have to be this, you know, thirty six point font. You know, our our company name all over it that it can stand on its own. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it, it's tough, right? You put that money into it, you call it this name, and then you just like it sits there, and someone looks at it, and they don't know who who it is, and so you, you have to. You have that faith that it's going to draw them in. So I, I definitely applaud those who don't go for the, you know, the the massive font, you know, of name brewery, and then kind of work right. working art around it. I think it's, I guess, it's right. It's, it I mean, I thought it was a pretty, um, I thought it was a pretty ballsy choice. You know, because right. yeah. uh, I was talking to Jeremiah. He's like, you know, man. He's like, your posters are so cool. Like, I just like the idea of these things as being little posters. You know, and it's like, he's like, I kind of don't want to like throw our company name on the front and sort of like mess it all up. And then when he said, you know, I have this idea of like putting the, you know, a little company logo on the back. And so I, I said, you know, I think that's really cool. Cause you actually makes you pick the can up in your hand, turn it around, look at it. You know, there's the name, you know, the beer, the name, the name of the beer is on the front somewhere. You turn it around you see by the time you turn around, you know, it's a hot butcher beer, you know? And, uh, and I think too, with all of it being my artwork, you see my artwork, you obviously know it's going to be hot butcher because they're the people I'm making work for. You know, I'm not making any, uh, label designs for any other companies here in Chicago, you know, and that's, that's by choice. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really fun collaborating with them on, on all this stuff and moving forward. I'm looking forward to it really uh, becoming something bigger and more special. Yeah, I think to your point that the branding is your art, and so to have that poster style and that you know the etching, but on a, on a much smaller canvas um, is really I think it still it still works to be to be down to that size. You know, uh, you're saying the smaller, more intimate pieces, and so I think you really get that with you know the cans, and it still look, but it still looks like until you feel it, right? That it looks like you would you. Know, etched it right there on that can so it, it does have that right you know, miniature artwork slash you know mini gig poster you know vibe to it which i think i think definitely is it's really it's unique because i think that you know kind of you know, just how how the medium outputs with you know it's not you know i don't say it's not clean but it's, it has little little like uh imperfections to it which i think really i think really just kind of resonates with what you're doing so i think yeah it's really I think they made a made a smart choice because it, it is by by not having it say hot butcher it does say hot butcher you know right <laughs> it really does it sort of screams hot butcher by not right. saying hot butcher on yeah the I think you know, yeah. yeah yeah it really does it's like wow okay yeah. like yeah you know what I mean like okay look at those hot look at the oh cool this is the new hot butcher what what you know what's what's going on here and that's really. Yeah, I think it's really great. Now, what is the what is kind of like the the project management or, or life cycle for you know for labels for them? Like, how much notice do they give you? You know, when you know how you know how how does that work? Well, there's a pretty much a continual at this point. There's a continual conversation of like what's coming down the pipe. Um, 
so usually, usually I know a good month, month and a half ahead of time what's going on in terms of, you know, new beer that's being produced. I mean, I don't know. I think it's, it's a weird, I think like being in the beer business is really weird and really challenging. There's so many beer companies. Everyone's trying to get their name out there, get their niche. Um, I mean, with Hop Butcher right now, it's great because I think they're pretty hot right now and people are really excited about the beer. And I think Jeremiah and Jude, what they really want to do is just continually be making new beers all the time, which means I'm making new labels all the time, which I like. Um, it's really fun to just continually be coming up with new ideas. Um, I think that keeps everybody fresh. I mean, I think at some point moving forward, there's a few that are going to be, you know, kind of like your, um, you know, flagship beers that you're going to try and keep all year round. I think Galaxy Bowl is one of those ones that could be a contender that people are always asking for and, and that. But I think, you know, having a beer, having a few beers that, you know, are going to be there, but then continually other new beers coming out. I mean, it gets people very excited, you know. I mean, those those new beers, like when Mirrorball came out a month ago, I mean, that thing just disappeared from everywhere, like overnight, you know, which, which is a good problem to have and a bad problem to have. It's like, I think as a, as a company, you want to be able to sell as much beer as humanly possible, you know what I mean? but then it disappears. And then, uh, because you have a certain limited capacity, you know, and, uh, it's, it's just one of those things. I mean, it almost reminds me a little bit, of limited edition posters, you know, like, okay, I made this fish poster. There were 900 of them. They're all gone. You can't get them anymore. You can't get them anymore. And it's almost like the beer is a limited edition beer. I mean, it might get repressed a year from then, but you know, this is it right now with these hops and this artwork and that's what you get, you know? And so you better buy it because by next Wednesday, you're going to walk in a beer store and ask for it and they're going to laugh at you because they're all gone which happened to a friend of mine. He said, he said, yeah, I'm trying to find this hot butcher beer. And I walked the bottle of the cans the other day and I said, Oh, do you have, and he said the name of some beer came out like three months ago. And they just started laughing at the poor guy. <laughs> it's like, well, geez. Right. Especially, yeah. Especially with the IPA craze, right. It, it can't, I mean, right. It can't sit on the shelf that long. And so it's like making enough that it's still in need, but not that it would sit there. And yeah. Sit, yeah. It's, Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love. I get a. I come to Chicago a few times a year, so I, I definitely am excited to, to snag a couple of these off the shelf next time I come. But yeah, it's definitely it's a it's a great beer city too. And so, to oh, that's awesome. Yeah, when you yeah. come, you'll have to come by the shop, man. Oh, that would be. Oh, that would. I would just love to see that. It looks. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, it's, oh yeah. yeah it de definitely. Yeah. Like I said, I dig what you're doing, and I I really love the. I mean, obviously we were talking about the beer stuff, but I love the. You know, you were saying before about the mini pieces of art that you're that you have that aren't just you know that aren't banned or, you know, beer label stuff. I really you know I I really enjoy you know the the statue you know the the Statue of Liberty piece uh, you know the the songs you know it's oh, it's really nice you know you know um you know naive melody is one of the you know greatest songs ever and so you know to have that you know beautiful poster with the you know the the lighthouse is really special um I, oh thanks man yeah and it's really great and i think that's probably one that we'll hang up in the studio because uh 
and that, not to, like, last year, late last year, our mother, my mother-in-law passed away, and that was her thing was was lighthouses. So every time we see them, we try to now um, get yeah. them to do yeah. that. And I, no, but I think it's beautiful because I think that when you look at your you look at your work, I think that they, you know, great art, you know, really resonates and gives people different feelings. And so you know, we never spoke, but you know, I just really were able to you know get a, get a sense for you know for you as a person and you know that even the the one that's a tribute to your father i think that one is beautiful with you know the you know the black and white with the old you know style camera and you know it's just uh, oh yeah with the land camera yeah, yeah the perfect shot i mean i think you know you know i also i love uh if i remember uh, you know ansel adams you know i think he's just you know his you right know, imagery always moved me you know we have a, one of his pieces in our house you know obviously it's not an original but you know um so yeah i just really i, I oh, think that cool. yeah i just think that it's really yeah and i've always been drawn to just black and white stuff so i just really you know it, it's kind of nice it's one of the the best parts of doing this is just kind of you know what I, the research period where you're know, going to go through all of your you know art online and kind of trying to dive in and so it was really it was really nice and so i if you're, uh, like I said, folks, groundup.bigcartel.com. Uh, you can just see some of the great stuff there. I love, you know, as a sports fan, kind of your, you know, versions of, you know, Chicago iconic, you know, logos, you know, your, your Blackhawk and your Cubs, you know, you're obviously, instead of being a White Sox fan, you know, I think it's, I think that's just really cool. You know, you do your Jimmy Butler and your Dwayne Wade and, you know, things of that. I think it's really just kind of, you know, Chicago is an awesome place and a lot of cool stuff going on. So to be able to do it without it just being like, oh, I drew this picture of, you know, Wrigley Field or, you know, whatever. It's like, it's, it's <laughs> right. It's, it's, right. Subtle, it's right. subtly like homage. But, you know, even just, even the badass bear, you know, like, I think that's super cool. Like, you know, and just, it's, uh, I, that's the cool part about art, right? There's so many ways to tell the story, but the choices you make are. Well, yeah. And, and the, the fun thing, too, about, about um i think the fun thing too about making prints is that to me it, it kind of takes the pressure off like well i can kind of range around i feel like i can range around and i can have i can do something that just makes me happy like do my version of the the 19 the, the late 60s cubby bear and just make a sugar skull version of that and make a print of it because i love the cubs and i love sugar skulls and I want to make one and it made yeah. me happy. Right. It's literally, that's, that's as deep as that piece gets, you know? Yeah. And then on the other side of it, you have, um, you have other pieces like, um, Fortress of Solitude, which is this uh, vertical piece with a little tent on top of a, on top of a cliff. And, um, a lot of these sort of, uh, abstract looking landscape pieces I do. And, and and they're sort of I call them like existential landscapes because that's what they are. A lot of these like they may have a solitary figure, or more likely than not they'll have no figure in them. And they they're they they're exactly what I say. They're existential landscapes because they're not necessarily just a landscape, and it it they are existential pieces. And and I think it's no accident that in the last ten years since I turned 40 and I'm quickly approaching 50. Um, you look at things a little differently than you did when you were 30. And you, it's funny. Cause I always felt like, Oh man, artists, you know, they get older, they start making fucking landscapes. They're so goddamn boring. And well, 
it's true. Uh, but you know, landscapes are pretty damn interesting. And, uh, yeah. and that, that little piece I did dedicated to my dad, that little black and white piece of the, the figure with the land camera. Um, yeah, I mean, that's dedicated to my dad cause he always loved Ansel Adams and he never became an Ansel Adams. You know, he, he shot portrait photos of children for their families in the Chicago, Indiana and Wisconsin for five years, you know, for a long time, for, I say a long time, five years doesn't sound like a long time, but we sat down and did the math and he took like over a quarter of a million pictures in like the five to seven years he was doing that, which is just nuts. Like he would do every 15, every 20 minutes, he would be in a new house setting up, taking pictures of their children, breaking down and then getting to the next place. So he'd do like three an hour, which is just bonkers. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, yeah, I come from a family of workers. Like we work, that's what we do. We make a lot of work. And, uh, but, but Ansel Adams being introduced to his work by my dad as a young man and not really appreciating it much, but now really appreciating that just like, just incredible. Like the, the emotion in those pictures, it's breathtaking to me, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, so yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. so ranging around and doing like existential pieces like that, or doing these other pieces of, you know, large portraits of birds on train engines or cabins or things like that. I mean, they're, they're, they're just pieces that I, they just make me happy. I just want to make them, you know? Well, it makes me enjoy them more knowing they make you happy. Cause I think that that's, yeah, I think like you're saying about your dad and just kind of not, you know, as a, as a father, when we have our, we have children, my perspective or insight into life is completely different. You know, you think, you know, the world, you think you know everything, but then you bring, you know, I don't know. I remember that first like year where I just look at my son and go, I made, I made a human being. Like I was like, hun, like did we, we, we made this like thing. Like he's, that's ours. Like there's no manual, you know, you have, but your perspective and just the way you look at things is different. And so I think, you know, your landscape, you know, who knows, you know, I think that's, I think it's fitting though, because the way you see the world, you know, is there's, you look at that painting, you know, three or four different times, you're going to find, you know, a handful of different things that you maybe didn't notice before or didn't appreciate. And so I think it's, I think it's great that you're able to, you know, able to do that. I found, I'm excited. I found an old, my old, an old Pentec, you know, and I actually found a unused roll of film. And so I'm excited just to kind of go out there and, you know, not have my you know digital crutch and be able to take eight thousand photos of a moment and then delete right. it, keep, keep the one I want, and then edit that on my phone, and then change <laughs> the filter and make it look like I know what the hell I'm doing. Like I'll have you know twenty four photos and whatever the hell right. happens is all I have, you know. And so I'm I'm excited for that, like the you know the imperfection of it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and uh, I think I'd be remiss to say, you know, if we didn't, I mean, obviously it's not a political podcast and, you know, we could probably talk for hours on that and maybe over a few cold ones when I come to visit. But yeah, I do, I would say probably, you know, with uh, the current landscape that, you know, some of your work does kind of, uh, is a good outlet for some of the, I guess, uh, how can we say it without stresses of kind of the the current climate and so have you have you found that as a new you know outlet you know kind of recently yeah i mean yeah for sure i mean last last january when mitch mcconnell was trying to get elizabeth warren to shut the hell up and 
<laughs> saying that, that nevertheless she persisted. I'm like, God, man, you just are, you could be brand. You're like number one branding for the Democrats this year, you know. Uh, and and so I immediately knew that I needed to draw a picture of uh, Lady Liberty, bloody but unbowed, with one spire sort of bandaged up, with nevertheless she persisted underneath it because, you know, fuck this shit. <laughs> That's all I can say. I'm a huge student of history, and uh, and I'm constantly in fear of like another Reichstag fire or something, you know, to 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 justify a crackdown, you know. In the words of Joe Strummer, like you start wearing blue and brown, and you're working for the clampdown, you know. That's it's uh, yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, some of that is definitely getting out into the artwork. That's for sure, definitely. Well, I I applaud it because I think um, yeah. It's it's a kind of a it's like a beacon, right? For those who are you know, yeah, who are on the same wavelength to kind of just say, you know, hey, it's like a you know metaphorical fist bump, you know, right now where it's kind of like, okay, I never met Dan before, but yeah, I know that there's others like myself fighting the good fight in different parts of the country, and it you know it gives me uh gives me resolve and you know helps me uh gives me some peace. But um, before we lose every you know all, I don't know if we have a huge right you know, pop, you know, audience here on the podcast. But if we do, we, you know, it is what it is. Um, but like I said before, I'm a huge, you know, music was my thing and I, I always is. And we keep a running kind of bucket list of artists we want to see. And, you know, the Blackies is definitely kind of one of those ones. But I mean, but the resume of artists you have, you know, just for the folks at home, you know, it's Blackies, Raylan Latane, you know, the Arcs, which is a, which are, you know, a killer band, you know, Edward Sharp and the Magnet Zeros, you have, you know, Fish, you should work, you know, Ween, you know, Lumineers, you know, just, there's a pretty epic, you know, list of, of artists, and I think the cool part about that is, obviously, those are the ones that you're with, you know, you, you've been doing more recently, and maybe they're quote-unquote more mainstream, but the best, one of the best parts about your story, Dan, is just, like you said before, you know, and talking about your father, is just all the hard work that goes into it, right, we see where you are now, but, you know, this is a decade plus and, you know, maybe, you know, two decades in, in, in motion to, to happen. And so I think it's a real testament to, you know, just kind of uh, keep your head down and, you know, work your ass off. And, you know, this is really, you know, I think that's a good lesson for folks. You know, it's not easy. And but, you know, you have a a medium that I think that you have your own st- style and you're able to still have this versatility to be able to do these gig posters and art and beer labels without, you know, with it being, you know, a Dan Jetsa, you know, style to it. So I think it's really, um, to be frank, it's fucking awesome. So I just wanted to let you know that. Oh, I, thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. And, uh, and I mean, that's consciously, I mean, I think, I think, I think any artist is always trying to, mind their own path and figure out their own territory and try not to consciously emulate other artists, but to, to figure out their own thing. I mean, you're constantly drawing from other people, whether you know it or not, but to, to try and be conscious of it and to figure out like what it is you're trying to discover. Cause like that, that process of discovery is the art you make. And I think that, um, sometimes when people lose sight of that, it, it makes it more challenging to come up with, you know, original ideas and, and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I'm going into like my third decade of printmaking and I've done this for over 20 some years now. So it's definitely, definitely going along, you know, and, 
it, it's funny, like some of the bands too, like uh, like the band Low, who are one of my favorite bands. I've made probably seven or eight posters for them throughout the years, and uh, it's like, man, I can't wait to make another poster for Low, or I can't make it, can't wait to, you know, it's just it's, they're still around, and I like making work for them, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's 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 funny how some of that stuff stays constant, you know. Um, but but yeah, thank thank you for having me on the podcast. I, I was happy to to talk probably too much about my work and no, man, uh, you're, you're you're a great you're a great uh you're a great guest easy to talk to I me mean, again iron and wine uh, uh jeff tweedy you can't there's a ton of black keys ones which is which are killer and then you know a chicago staple <coughs> you know Humphreys mcgee which which was cool to see so yeah it's really nice i would ask what music you listen to when you're when you're creating but i think that you know you you name dropped a ton of artists when we were, when we were talking, so it's really uh, like I said. Oh, so been... many! Actually, one of one of the one of my favorite posters I did, which um, uh, Mark Smith from The Fall just died last week, and it's a great English punk post punk band. And oh man, I mean that's a guy just every year they put out a record, and yeah, he just died last week, sixty years old, and uh, I made a poster for them uh, for a show at the Empty Bottle like two thousand three. And, uh, and I thought, wow, man, I made a poster for the fall and now Mark Smith is dead. It's really weird, um, that he's not around because he's just one of those people you thought would never die because he always looked like he was 60 and, and, you know, even when he was 30, he looked like he was a, you know, had something there. That's not quite what young people have. And, uh, so yeah, um, yeah, so many, so many great, great bands. I feel really lucky that I've been able to make posters for so many uh, interesting people, and I, I hope to make posters for a lot more interesting, uh, uh, interesting musicians and artists. So, so you know, all of you out there listening, hire me. <laughs> yeah, man, we'll keep we'll keep following along. Yeah, it's been cool because right. yeah, we uh, we uh, a couple weeks ago uh, a Bay Area gig poster guy you know does screen printing also and it's cool matt lunig and you guys are style oh, i love matt matt's yeah. a great guy matt's a great guy yeah and your styles are totally different but like the whole screen print so it's always like to me like if we would lay down you know paints or pastels or pen and ink and crayons and you know get a couple of you in a room and give you the same idea to draw like it's so it's just i mean i'm not gifted in that way like i used to be a disc jockey because i couldn't play music but i knew what i liked and I managed a band because I couldn't play music, but I knew how to, you know, and I know what I like. It's just every week I'm just blown away at just what you guys do. And, and so it's just really nice and you're really easy to talk to and, a, you know, a good guy. And so I, I look forward to um, connecting in 3D. And I just wanted to, again, thank you for your time tonight, Dan. And, you know, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. It's uh, your art's making the world a better place. So I think it's important. Thanks, AJ. I appreciate it. All right, Dan, I will talk to you soon, and I definitely will uh, you know, take you up on the next time I come to visit. So we'll uh, have a couple hot butchers, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk music. So. Sounds great, man. All, All right, right, take it easy. Right, have a good one. Later. All right, bye-bye. And there you have it. That was Dan Jetsa, the one, the only, G.R., Z-E-C-A, Jetsa. Jetsa, Jetsa, Jetsa. Right here, 16-ounce canvas, Art of Craft Beard podcast. 
Season 4 is in the books. Episode number 47. We are in our second year. Our second calendar year. But we've only been doing this for 11, 10. We carry the... Well, we're almost at our one-year anniversary. We're coming up in April. We're really excited. Really happy to be doing what we're doing. We're having a great time. Meeting folks like Dan. Who knows folks like Matt. And then you learn that there's just connections and connections. It's like these are the people in your neighborhood. The people that you meet when you're walking down the street each day. <laughs> we won't do that. But there's just so many great people. I think there's a great, I wouldn't say six degrees of separation, but you know, maybe two or three. It was really great to see that. Like I said, when we were up at Oxbow, those four guys. One of the really cool stories that you might not know is that the four of them are really good friends and they keep in touch and they've been trying to do something like that for a couple of years now. Finally made it all happen. And it was cool. You know, they had a great week week uh, weekend, you know, together. I got to, you know, share a few laughs, and, you know, kind of stick my head in there, butt in a little bit, and uh, it was a great time. But it's just a, it's a really great community. We are on to something. We're trying to turn you on to something. Especially probably this last weekend with the Super Bowl. Don't know if you saw it, but the Eagles won. And you're having different beers. You know, you're holding them in your hands. There's many art shows in your fridge. I think this is a great time to appreciate not only all the great beer that's available, but the artwork and design, illustration, all the thought that goes into it inside and outside the can. And then even just from a business decision, those choices are done, you know, it's a positive decision. These owners or, you know, teams are thinking of ways to make things look cooler, to use the space, you know, the, the bottle label or the can, you know, the crowler, the growler, always just keeping it, keeping it fresh, keeping it new and exciting, doing cool things. But then to see at the event their actual prints so these little things these little art pieces on the bottles and cans you know if it was like a little cartoon they'd walk off the bottle walk off the label and again if somebody's you know talented and you're an animator and you can make that happen for some of these please get in touch we will definitely promote the hell out of you it'll be super cool but it's really to see that you know here in the studio i have some great pieces up right now you know always looking to you know get some more and it's just exciting. It's just really, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be enjoying craft beer and art. You know, some are saying that beer labels have new, you know, rock posters or new album covers. You know, we talked to you know, Matt a couple weeks ago and he's trying to, you know, wants to do more stuff with beer. You know, Dan, they found out about Dan because of the work that he did with his gig posters, you know, Magnificent Beard. You know, gig posters and do work with Noble Ray, who were pretty anti-Eagles. They were saying some mean things. I'm not going to say fuck Dallas. That's a thing that some Eagles fans say. They say fuck Dallas. I'm not going to say that. But, and just to, to meet all these great people, it's just really a great experience. And if you're out there and we haven't met you yet, don't be, you know, don't be scared. Don't be nervous. Get in touch. We'll make it happen. It doesn't matter if you've done one label, a thousand labels, you have one follower a million followers. I mean, if you have a million followers, you want to be on the show, will really help us out. <laughs> but remember just to follow along, you know, like some of our posts, share, retweet. We're building the community. 
week by week, day by day, and that's how we're doing it. We're going to bring us all together in 3D this summer. It's going to be a great experience. We're going to host it right here in Connecticut. More details to come, but again, you're listening to the 16-ounce canvas, 16ozcanvas.com, 16ozcanvas on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. It's that easy. I don't even know there's other stuff, other places for us to be, but if you got some cool new social places to be that we can promote, get the word out, introduce you to new artists or a friend, we will be all about it. So we thank you once again. I think a great takeaway. I mean, Dan's story is a story of hard work, adventure, bringing his favorite things in life, you know, sports, music, self-expression, creativity, all together in this beautiful art form. And now that gets to be, you know, placed on on beer bottles. And that just sounds crazy, right? All oh, beer bottles. But no, the folks over at Hot Butcher, hey, if you guys want to send me some, I will not uh, turn it down, you know, speak on the side and we'll make that happen but they made a conscious choice to have dan's art represent their you know their beer and their brewery and their hard work and their life and it's just really it's really commendable and i think it's really nice to see that to not only with beer i think beer is very adventurous i know this past weekend was extreme beer fest from uh beer advocate and you know it's always trying to take existing beers or make new beers that that push the boundaries, try some crazy stuff. I think, you know, if I uh, read correctly, I think Dogfish out of, uh, you know, Dewey, Delaware made a a spicy beer using all of the ingredients that go into mace. You know, mace, as you may or may not know, is is an au natural. I think it's a, I don't know, I don't want to say it's certified organic or humane, but there are things that, you know, on their own can be, you know, can be, uh, Enjoyed. I don't know if you fucking say you enjoy, but anyway, and I think that uh, they made a beer, you know, with that. So that's cool. Just some, just some crazy barrels, you know, or things in the beers. But the envelope's always being pushed with collaborations, you know, with new hops or new styles that are being grown and crossbred. So, like I said, want to see a few more of the artists, you know, collaborate together with the, the labels. We're seeing some more of that and love that. And so we don't know. We don't know what the next chapter is going to be. We're looking at ways to have kind of uh, spin-off episodes, maybe speak to folks in industry about their take on labels and art and branding. We've got a few new ideas, you know, in mind. And we'll be uh, sharing them with you. So once again, we are humbled. We are you know, very appreciative. We thank you. We see that folks are listening. You know, each week the numbers go up, and we know that your time is valuable, and we value it very much. And we're just happy that you're able to make some time to learn about these artists, learn about their process. Hopefully, you're inspired. Whatever your line of work is, and you know, one common theme, you know, other than we all love good beer, is just hard work and grinding. And you know, there's really no uh, shortcuts. But if you're looking for a couple of keyboard shortcuts, you know, Control-Z on the, you know, on the PC, Control, you know, that's undo, it's a good one. Uh, Control-C is copy. Uh, Control-X, I believe, is cut. So, just some just some fun facts for you. Those would be Command on the Mac, which is what I use, but those are the only shortcuts that we have for you, you know, today. And then Control-V is paste. So, yeah, Command-V, Control-V. But anyway, before I go too far... 
You've been listening to the 16-Ounce Canvas, episode number 47, Dan Jetsa. It is spelled completely different than you would say it. G-R-Z-E-C-A, so that's danjetsa.com. You can find him at Jetsa on his other social sites. Get in touch. Check out his prints. Say hello. Let him know we sent you, and we will see you guys next time. But wait. Bonus footage. I may have mentioned that my Eagles won the Super Bowl. And I couldn't be happier. So, this is a one-time only awful hatchet butcher job. But we're going to do a little fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Fight, fight, fight. Fight, Eagles, fight. Score a touchdown. One, two, three. Hit them low, hit them high, and watch our eagles fly, fly, eagles fly, on the road to victory, E-A-G-L-E-S, eagles. That's right, folks. They did it. Super Bowl 52, Philadelphia Eagles, world champs, even though American football is not really played worldwide. It was great, great opportunity, got to go to the parade, had a great time, shared a moment with my son. We thank you, and we thank you if you're still listening, but go birds. Thank you. See you next week, folks.